Welcome to episode 23 of From the Front Porch, a collection of conversations on books, small business, and life in the South. I'm Annie Jones, co-owner of The Bookshelf in downtown Thomasville, Georgia, and today I'm joined by author and entrepreneur Carrie Rollwagon. Carrie's new book, The Localist, Think Independent, Buy Local, and Reclaim the American Dream, is one of our staff favorites of the year, and Carrie will actually be joining us at The Bookshelf in Thomasville on April 23rd from 5 to 7 p.m. That's this Thursday if you're listening this week, um, April 23rd. 23rd from 5 to 7. If you're hearing this before that date, we hope you will come out and support both the bookshelf and Carrie. Her new book is fantastic. Today, Carrie and I will be talking about the importance of shopping locally, why independent bookstores make the world go round, and our mutual love for Leslie No. Welcome, Carrie. How are you today? Thank you. I'm doing really great. I'm trying to recover after being away from home for a little over a month. And I'm kind of a homebody, so that's uh, a little bit rough for me, but I'm doing well. Thank you. You're, you're in recovery mode right now. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, so tell, explain to our listeners, Carrie has been on a bit of a whirlwind um, book tour. So how long have you been gone? Uh, I've been gone just, I guess, about a month and a week. I actually started this tour March 6th, uh, but I did have a few days at home almost immediately, because I, um, I took Amtrak, uh, mostly their Crescent Line from New Orleans to New York, okay. and the second stop is Birmingham, so <laughs> like, okay. pretty much as soon as I left, I was back, but then I've been on the road over a month since then. So. Okay, wow, that's, that's dedication, that's impressive. <laughs> well, I was afraid that I may not go back out if I let myself come home, so. <laughs> yeah, that was probably good thinking. <laughs> It was a really great trip. Um, it's just also exhausting. So. Okay. But I'm really glad that I did it. Well, good. Well, I can't wait. We'll talk a little bit more about it later in the show. Um, but you I- mentioned you're back home in Birmingham. And I wanted to talk a little bit about how the city of Birmingham kind of inspired this journey of yours to shop locally. Um, uh-huh. So, uh- yeah, tell us a little bit about your love, I guess, for your city. I love for the city developed out of the project. Okay. Um, more than the other way around. That's probably a bad thing to admit. But <laughs> I didn't grow up here. Uh, and I think if you are sort of a transplant and you're going to a lot of the same corporate stores, it doesn't seem that different. You don't really know what the city, what's unique about the city as much. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it was really through like giving myself that challenge of shopping locally that I actually got to know what was unique about Birmingham and actually connect with people who are the people who make the city unique. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I didn't, I wasn't so much into kind of the foodie culture before, and I definitely still wouldn't call myself a foodie just because I don't have that sophisticated of a palate. Right. But, <laughs> like, um, but I did discover that there are so many, like, uh, restaurants, particularly in Birmingham, they serve really great food at kind of a mid-level price point, yeah. uh, which I think is really unique about our city. And that was a really good entry point for me as far as, uh, you know, I think food is so integral to uh, the place, especially if it's fresh food. And that was really helpful for me. And that's why I actually tell people a lot of times to start with 
food is a great place to start if you want to buy one thing locally. Mm-hmm. It is very rewarding. Like, oh yeah, you get all the benefits immediately. So. Uh, absolutely, I actually, um, I think maybe in my email correspondence with you, I. I told you that um, I lived in Birmingham for about six months as an intern. Um, uh-huh. I interned for Southern Progress, and one of the first things, you know, when you move to a new place, it can be a little intimidating. And I don't know if that's because I'm an introvert or because I was. It was my first foray into the real world, and so right. it, it's not like college. And so I was tired a lot and and working. And anyway, it was just a different world, but. Um, one of the first things I did in Birmingham to kind of make myself feel at home was to try to go out and explore some things that I knew my own city didn't offer or my university town didn't offer. So I do think one of the first things you can do to kind of get to know a place is to explore its local restaurants and its locally owned businesses. So I think that's a great point. Well, that's what's been really cool with me for traveling because because of the project I'm traveling for, I have to... Uh, sort of explore the local places and kind of look for local food. And I feel like I've really gotten more of the character of the cities uh, through doing that than I think generally when we're traveling, we're uncomfortable already. So it's like, oh, I want to go to Starbucks and, uh, you know, Chipotle or whatever. Yeah. I already know it's good. Right. Um, so that was really fun for me. And it ended up, I think, I got a lot more connected to the differences of each like what each city has to offer and um that I love that about traveling and really the only way I researched that was just doing quick google searches Mm -hmm. and kind of looking on Instagram and finding I think it's nice with like Yelp and Google they'll sort of tell you the places that locals love too so it's not as much guesswork as it used to be yes um so that was it was a really fun part of the trip Absolutely. Um, so you spent a year dedicated to shopping locally, and then you've written this wonderful book about it. I want to know which came first. So, meaning, did you have this idea to shop locally, and then it eventually evolved into a book? Or, I think you're a very talented writer, and I'm curious, did the writing kind of happen first, and then you decided you needed a project to kind of write about? How did this, how did this whole thing come about? Um, well, first of all, thank you. Uh, and uh, kind of both. I did not have the idea to do a book, but I did want a writing project. Um, I just wanted something to make me write every day. Mm-hmm. And so I really, I didn't envision it ever being a book at the time, but uh, you're right. Like, I did actually start the blog more because I wanted to write about something. At the time, I wasn't, like, a bi-local advocate at all. I just, I really wanted to explore, like, the benefits of small shops and the benefits of corporations. I thought they would be more 50-50, mm-hmm. uh, and it didn't turn out that way. Uh, yeah. so, um, but it was, I was trying to be more impartial, and I really looked at it as a writing project at first. Okay. Um, which was kind of funny because I thought it would be really difficult to shop locally. Mm-hmm. So I thought that would be good for my writing because I would constantly be, you know, like sharing my crazy antics and <laughs> saying like I'm going to have to live without this thing all year How, what am I going to substitute but it ended up being a lot easier than I thought which uh-huh. was great as far as buying locally but really bad for me as far as having <laughs> things to write about um, and so I started writing a little bit more about like the philosophy and the economics behind it which had not been my plan in the first place but I found that 
blogger has actually responded really well to this thing. Yes. Which is not what I was expecting. So I almost used the blog as like a focus group for the book mm-hmm. um, to see what people responded to, I guess. And one of the things that comes up a lot, it came up a lot in your book, and it um, comes up a lot just as a bookstore owner. And I don't know if that's because um, books are something that people can find cheaper online. I mean, that's no secret. Um, But so often people say, oh, well, I would shop locally, but it's just so expensive. And you you mentioned that, you kind of tackle that head on in your book. What did you discover about shopping locally and the expense of it all? Well, it was really shocking to me that I actually saved a lot of money that year. Um, I lived on less than $15,000, and I was just in New York talking about this, and I was like, the cost of living in Alabama is low, but not that low. Right. Like, <laughs> um, comparatively. Uh, and um, that really, like, confused me, because I wasn't trying to save money. I was actually trying to spend money. Like, I was writing about spending money, so. Right. Um. I think the reasoning for a few things. One is just you're not exposed to as many impulse buys. Mm. Uh, just because a lot of local shops carry what they carry and they don't, like, have a lot of other products. Right. Uh, so I would sometimes actually go out thinking I actually want to spend extra money because I'm feeling bad today. Right. And not be able to. <laughs> but, right, because there's no target um, for you to just wander the aisles and put right. everything in your buggy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, also, just having to plan my days a little bit, um, or think through what I was purchasing just a tiny bit, like, a lot of times made me realize I didn't actually want the product in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, the example I have been using is, uh, like, French fries. Um, <laughs> I would pull into McDonald's at 2 o'clock in the morning, because it's right by my house, and it would be, like, uh... Almost a physiological reaction. You just see it, and you're like, "Fun size." Right. Um, I would be in like at the drive-through and realize I can't do this because it's not local. And mm-hmm. even though like every like reasonable part of me knows I shouldn't be doing that anyway, right. um, like it was kind of that that wake up call that helped. Yeah. And even though not in most cases, like. Um, since you lived in Birmingham, you probably know about the Purple Onion. Like, the Purple Onion is a 24-hour French fry place that's, like, two blocks from that McDonald's. It's not like I couldn't get it. Right. It's just that I realized I don't want it anymore. Right. Um, that's so... Then, yeah. Oh, I was just going to say, that's so interesting because... So, I just finished... Um, I hate to put in a plug, but I just finished this book, uh, Gretchen Rubin's new book. So she wrote The Happiness Project, Uh and now she's written Better Than Before. And her whole thing was, are you an abstainer or a moderator? And she Uh argues that it's easier to give something up if you give it up completely. And as somebody who I I think I'm kind of a rule follower, and, like, if you give me rules or guidelines, then I'm not going to break the rule. Like, I will follow the rules. (laughs) Yeah, me too. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so this works well um, for you. Well, I think, yeah. I think that's true. And then another reason that I hadn't thought about too much until I was talking through it with people on the tour, but I also think when you buy local, and this applies to everybody, even if you're just doing it a little bit, I think you tend to buy the correct thing first mm. because you're, you're shopping with experts. Um, like, at my shop, at my bookstore, people are always saying, like, you know, I don't want to buy a book. I have this stack of books by my bed that I haven't read yet, and I need to get through this first. Mm. And I would never say this to a customer, 
actually, I want to say, like, well, maybe you have that stack of books because you let a computer pick them out for you, uh, and you don't actually like them. Right. <laughs> like, oh, that's so true. Um, yeah, I kind of feel like maybe if you let me help you find a book you would actually love, <laughs> um, you would want to read it, and it wouldn't be, like, a chore. Um, and I felt that, I found that kind of across the board for me when shopping locally. Like, I go to my local hardware store, and if I'm trying to buy the right thing, the wrong thing, they actually ask what I'm doing, and they'll say, like, this is not what you want, like, you want this other thing, and so a lot of times, I just wasn't buying the wrong thing in the first place. Right, it's um, so true, so you're shopping with experts now. Right, and I think I bought less just in general to kind of, because I think I, sometimes I buy the wrong thing, and then I'm not happy with it, and then I buy, like, four or five other things trying to figure out, like, trying to meet that need. Right. And I wasn't having to do that. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And, it, you know, it's, I think it would be, it's eye-opening to kind of let people know, maybe instead you're buying, when you shop local, you're buying the right things from the right people instead of, I, I really do, if I'm not having a great day, sometimes I might wander the aisles of Target, and next thing you know, I've got $100 worth of stuff in my cart that I don't really need. Yeah. Um, right, exactly. and, and so, it, you know, that might make me feel good in a moment, but that hundred dollars could have been spent on things that I actually needed for my home or something like that. Uh-huh. Um, so overall right. you probably would save some money, I would think. I think so too. And just across the board, shopping locally tends to be a more fulfilling experience emotionally. Like you're usually walking, it's not fluorescent lighting, like you just, it kind of is. <laughs> a more calming experience. Yeah. So I think that helps to, like, give us some of what we need as people as well, and we're not trying to fill that with, like, more stuff. Absolutely. Because that's the thing. I'll get stressed out in a big, big box store and then just buy stuff because I'm stressed out because of the store. Um, yes. No, it's so... Not realizing it. Yeah, it's so true. <laughs> like, I can't... I guess it's okay to name stores. I get stressed out in, like, a TJ Maxx or... Um, yeah. <laughs> I can't remember. Like one of my friends just has all this luck when she shops at TJ Maxx or what Marshalls, and I'm like, I can't yeah. even go in there without. I feel like I'm going to break into hives. Like uh, it's too stressful yeah. for me. <laughs> so yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's like too many options. Whereas I really do. One of the things we try to do at the bookshelf is we've curated the books for you. Like we've already done part of the work so that when you come in you can browse our already curated shelves to find what you're looking for Uh uh-huh and that's I think that's a huge that's a real burden lifted off that we don't realize is a burden because it's kind of this idea of like more is more right but some of the when the more is just junk like it's really just stressful right um so I think the same thing and like that's the same thing with my hardware store um, they can order, like, random parts, but they don't, they have everything I've ever needed mm-hmm. for my house. They just don't have, like, 50 kinds of it. They have the kind that they recommend. Right. Um, so it's also easier to pick stuff out. Um, Absolutely. So. In fact, one of the biggest compliments we got in the store recently, it was Easter, and a couple two different moms came in and they were like we knew if we came here we could get everything we needed for our easter baskets right here like it because oh, yeah and that made me feel really good because i thought okay we've already done we've eliminated the stressful part for you like now it can come in and right. be fun yeah exactly um that is that is a great story yeah <laughs> it, it, that was i've only seen your <laughs> i've only 
pointing your shop on social media, but I think they're right. From what <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Well, Thursday you'll get to tell us what you think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so my next question then is, this project took place a couple years ago, so it, you know it's been a process to kind of do the project and then publish the book, and now you've been on your book tour. Are you still shopping locally? Do you find that um, that kind of changed how you shop permanently? Um, it did change how I shop permanently. I'm not, uh, I'm shopping. I call it local-ish now. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> that's what I mostly tell people. Cause they'll ask, like, should I give this up totally? And I, I don't think. I mean, it, I love these kind of ridiculous challenges, but for most people, like. 100% local all the time is probably not the answer. Um, right. I think that so what I tell them is like the best way to be a localist is to shop local-ish. Mm-hmm. Um, and by that, I mean, I really do try to prioritize it. Uh, mostly, I just think local first and then shop corporate as a last resort. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, during the year of shopping locally, if I had friends who were going to, like, Starbucks, I would either go and not spend any money, which is awkward for everyone, or, like, not go. Um, no, I mean, if it's, I'll go, I'm not going to make it, I'm not making as much of a stand. Right. But if I have a choice, I'm trying to do the local thing. And so really, the thing is now, I, I don't really try at all, and I still shop 80 to 90% locally. Um, and that's what, to me, is encouraging, too, is that, I can tell people, like, it really only took a month or two to kind of discover new places and reset my habits. Right. And now I'd rather go to those places because those are my new habits, and now I know what they have to offer that's better than corporate sports. So. Right. So, um, so yeah, mostly the answer. <laughs> yeah, no, I think well, and I think that's what a lot of people. That's a little less intimidating than to people, right? They can shop locally first, and then if they need something, they can go to their bigger box stores if they absolutely need to. Um, yeah, exactly. We don't have to give up everything, and that's why I like this project. Um, there's this project called Eating Alabama that I really love, where these two couples only ate um, food produced in Alabama for a year. Wow. And I think they really, yeah, like, I think they pointed out some really important things that every time I read the blog, I was discouraged because I thought, like, there's no way we can fix this. Right. And um, when I knew about that statistic where from every $10 you spend, like, $47 gets back to your community if you shop locally, um, as opposed to $1 to $3 if you shop locally. Right. Um, I thought, well, this is a way that we actually don't have to sacrifice and... We can kind of help our communities and put more money back into them um, and still get exactly the same stuff that we always got. Right. Um, it's an easy way to make a difference, really. Right. Yeah. And I think that's the thing, like, remembering that we don't have to do, we don't have to shop local 100% of the time. Uh, just maybe shopping locally for one or two products, like food or books. Um, that's why I usually tell people, like, art and food are good places to start. Yeah. Um, or even just saying, like, I'm going to discover a new one, one new store a month or something. Even small changes actually really do make a big impact in our communities and for smaller stores. You know, so Thomasville is a relatively small town. So I think the population here is like 22,000. So it's bigger, actually, 
population-wise than I first thought it was when I moved here. Um, but it's definitely got a small-town vibe. And you live in Birmingham, which is obviously a much bigger city. And I'm curious, through your travels, do you think it's easier or more difficult to shop locally in a small town versus a bigger city? Um, I, don't, I think it probably depends. Uh, like... One thing I didn't think about in New York is that New Yorkers have to carry everything. So, like, it's hard to go to seven different stores and have to lug your stuff around. Right. Um, So we talked a lot about, and that's why a lot of, I guess, New Yorkers order a lot from Amazon because they get the delivery. Mm -hmm. Um, But then I started talking to people who own small shops, and most of them will do free delivery. Mm -hmm. It's just that you kind of have to ask or... Um, order a certain amount. Uh, so, like, that's a challenge that we don't really have in Alabama. I mean, right. We have cars. <laughs> right. So, uh, uh, so, I think in some ways it's, like, it just has different challenges. Right. Um, well, and I, I guess when I first started in Birmingham, I thought it was going to be really hard, and I was really shocked that these stores are out there. They just, small shops, this isn't 100% true, but tend not to have, you know, a lot of advertising, uh, right. maybe don't, um, they're just not in the news as much because mm-hmm. they don't have PR people um, pushing their stuff on the news. Uh, mm-hmm. So I didn't know about them. So I think they, I think these stops mostly are out there. They, we just, like, have to speak them out. Yeah, you have to do a little digging and, you know, so Tallahassee, where I lived before, and then before that, Birmingham and Montgomery, um, those are all bigger cities. And I actually think Thomasville, kind of because it's a small town, it has, again, already done the work for me, meaning there are already small businesses that I know a lot about because Thomasville doesn't have a lot of the big businesses. Um, right. In fact, I'm sure that's part of our bookstore's success is – there's not a Books a Million in town. There's not a Barnes and Noble in town. Like, we we are the bookstore, and you can drive to Tallahassee or Valdosta for a bigger box store, but we're what Thomasville offers. And so um, I don't know, you know, Thomasville is always up and coming, and they've got new stuff going on, so I never know, you know, if Thomasville will experience this big boom and bring in bigger stores. But I like that right now we don't have a Target. We don't have a Books a Million, like, and I have – it almost forces me – to shop locally unless I want to leave town. Um, right, yeah. <laughs> so, it, so in that way, it kind of makes it a little easier for me to make the decision to shop locally. Right, yeah, I think that's true. And I mean, the smaller the town, the more likely you are to know people and to understand where your money is going and what it's doing. I think when you get into bigger cities, it's hard to make that connection. Yeah. Um, it, it feels like it doesn't matter. Um like, I've had a lot of people say, not a lot of people, a couple of people, um, <laughs> they like, well, it's not that much money, it's just cents on the dollar, and like, well, yeah, but it's 40 to 70 cents on the dollar, that's a lot of, you know, that's right. a big percentage. Yes. <laughs> um, and from the side of perspective of owning a small shop, um, I found out, like, it really, it's those small amounts that make a huge difference in your store, like, one of the stores I visited is Pomegranate Books in Wilmington, North Carolina. Uh, she was saying it's, uh, everybody on her mailing list bought, I think it was like a card a month, um, not even a book. Um, yeah. Like, that would be everything she needs to stay in business. 
No, and, and I bet it, that's true, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think that we tend to think that all of our purchases are just a drop in the bucket, and they're really not, and especially when it comes to small shops. So I think that may be easier to see when you when it's a smaller town. Absolutely, because you do know people, and you know where your money is going. Um, similarly, in the bookstore, somebody, a customer came in and said, you know, I always... Um, I don't buy a lot of books, but I choose to buy my magazines here. And I wanted her to know, yeah. well, that's huge. Like every, yeah. and now that I do the store budget, you can bet every penny matters to me. <laughs> right, exactly, yeah. <laughs> um, yes. So let's talk a little bit about Amazon. So I don't like talking about Amazon very much, and I try not to judge my customers or my readers for yeah. where they feel like they need to spend their money or do their shopping. Um, but you do talk about Amazon a lot in your book. And briefly, I want to talk about how an online giant like Amazon has the potential to hurt small business and even maybe hurt the consumer. And I want to kind of get your thoughts on that, especially since you too own an independent bookstore. Uh, right, and that's it's very it's a very hard topic. Um, yeah, it's everybody. Uh, everyone feels very connected um, to Amazon, and so I I agree. I I tend to not talk about it in the shop either. Yeah. Um, like, and uh, I think um, I lost my train of thought. I it's hard. I think that Amazon is. Uh, it's such a big company, it's such an invisible company, that, and they're very secretive on top of that. Um, and I mean by invisible, like we see Walmart, we walk in and we see the people who work there, and right. so you can, to some extent, see their working conditions. Right. Um, that's not true with Amazon. Um, so they can and do get away with a lot of abuses um, on their employees, right. and that's... Uh, I think it, that's necessary to get the prices that they get. Um, things like hiring temporary workers so they can kind of train them out um, or not wanting to pay workers for literally hours a week that they're spending in security lines. Um, this is part of the way they get these low prices. Right. Um, and the, you're and right. Yeah, you're right, too, about the secrecy of it because... Um, to be honest, I didn't do a lot of shopping on Amazon even prior to um, owning a bookstore, and that's strictly because I just really like going into a bookstore, so that wasn't really purposeful right. on my part. I just um, My preference was to go shop even at, even at Barnes & Noble before I would go on Amazon. Um, but now that I, I guess, am in the quote-unquote book industry, which I feel... I use that term loosely, um, but <laughs> but now that I now I read news articles more or things catch my attention more. So a few months ago, when um, Amazon and Hachette, the publishing company, couldn't reach a deal, and so Amazon removed Hachette books from their website, and that's something as a consumer I would not probably that would not have even been on my radar. Um, but, right. but because now I know who Hachette is, I wouldn't have known that before. Um, but now that I know who Hachette is and I know who their authors are, um, that came to my attention much more quickly than it would have as a consumer. And so I do think there are things that consumers don't realize or fully understand that they're supporting when they choose to shop at a bigger online retailer like that. Right, and I think part of the problem with Hachette, there are lots of problems with that, but 
Amazon was lying to the customer. Right. Um, like you said, they were saying we don't have these books, and in fact, they had them. They were just holding on to them so that they could get better prices. They actually did that on a smaller scale with my book. Um, like, they held the ebook copy for a few weeks and emailed my pre orders and said that I pulled it. Oh, um, wow. They did not. And, like, I talked to my printer, and they were like, no, we didn't. This has never happened before. And eventually it got back up, and it wasn't worth getting into considering because of what my book's about I didn't have that many Amazon pre-orders right um like <laughs> so like it's just kind of um Amazon does what they do and even they defend a lot of the abusers just by saying well we're customer first but they're not like in, in a lot of ways I don't know how you say you're customer first when you're also lying to your customers um right. but I guess the other side for me um with books in particular is that Amazon is trying to be the only place you can buy books, not just be one of the places or the biggest place. Or, right. Um, and I think having one entity, whether it's a business or a government or whatever, in control of our information is really dangerous for us as citizens. Yeah. Um, so when people, I know a lot of people say like, oh, well, you don't like Amazon because you own a bookstore. But the opposite is actually true. Like, I did the bookstore because I didn't like what Amazon was doing mm-hmm. and I wanted to be part of um, remedying that, I guess. Yeah, part uh, of... Or trying to. Yeah, giving <laughs> people another option. Right. Uh, so, and the same, the analogy I use is like, well, I also ran a coffee shop, and, like, <laughs> it's the same place. I don't know the store. But, like, <laughs> I don't, like, Starbucks doesn't bother me um, most of the time. So, it's not... Anyway, so, it's hard to get into that conversation, though. Um, well, it is, because you don't want to step on toes, but we have finally, I don't know how much you get this in your own shop, but, um, you know, freak, really surprisingly frequently, we get customers, I'll use an example, the other day, a sweet customer, um, not a regular customer, but somebody came into the shop and they wanted to know, like, the new hottest book to read, and so... I took them to the shelves and I told them what I had been reading lately and we went through two or three different books and we talked in detail about plots and and what they were about and and who wrote them and we we had a lovely you know bookstore kind of conversation about these great books and then she ended the conversation by saying great so can I get these on my Kindle and it was like Okay, and so, you know, there's a part of me, again, I don't know if it's because I'm an introvert or because I'm a quiet person, that if, there's a part of me that, that just wants to leave that, and, and you can choose to shop here, you can choose to shop somewhere else, that's fine, um, but as a staff, we have kind of decided, if somebody blatantly talks about Amazon as another option, we're not going to belittle them for that, but we might tell them, oh, well, don't forget, you know, it only takes us two days to get something into or, right. you know, yeah. don't forget, you know, you're supporting our community when you shop through us. And I understand if you need a book tomorrow, but don't forget to think about us in the future. That kind of thing, you know, putting a positive spin on it, but also kind of kindly informing customers because not everybody is informed about what Amazon is doing and the consequences for shopping that way. Right. And that's, I think that's a lot of, um, I think there's a lot of, not misinformation, but kind of, uh, like a misunderstanding on the part of all of us really as customers as far as what is actually going on. Like I was talking to um, the owners of the Reading Reptile, which is a children's store in Kansas City, and they were saying uh, a lot of their customers will like ask about a book and they'll say, oh, we can order it. And they'll say, oh, that's 
that's okay. Like, I'll just get it on Amazon. Let that make a tour for us. Right. <laughs> you know? like, um, and not even understanding, uh, this is not... This is not going out of my way. This is what I do. Right. Like, I'm happy to do it. Right. Um, yeah. That's kind of, like, why I wrote the book. And at the, towards the end, when I understood what was going on, why I wrote the blog. And, but I felt like a lot of people I talked to didn't really even understand, like, why it would matter if they shop locally. Right. Like, people kind of like the idea of shopping locally being, like, kind of charming. Um, but other than that, they didn't realize there even was another reason. Right. Um, so... No, I, I wanted to at least put something out there. <laughs> yeah, and kind of, like, like we said, it kind of informed the consumer a little bit. Right. So, um, and I felt better about that. The like, guy felt better as a consumer knowing, like, what, kind of what the rules are. Like, right. What, it, what is, like, obnoxious for me to ask and what is actually nice for me to ask and... Um, as I think buying locally helps with that because you start to form those relationships and it becomes evident more quickly. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. It's been, I think it's been very good for me, like, personally, um, and connecting with people and connecting with the city as well, so. So, on your book tour, you've visited a lot of independently owned bookstores now all across the country, and as a shop owner... I want to know, what did you discover about indie bookstores that you didn't already know? Uh, <laughs> well, I think what was really interesting to me, and I don't know, I guess I, maybe on some level I knew this, but not really. Uh, <laughs> I feel like almost any indie bookstore that's still in business has done something innovative and different, mm-hmm. um, or then that they wouldn't be there. Um, yeah. Like, I mean, it's a little bit different. In New York City, I felt like it's very different in that I feel like, um, I don't want to say it's easier to have a bookstore there because I don't know that, but their, their stores, they still have a lot of bookstores. You know, it's kind of the capital of publishing. Right. Um, so, like, I was talking to some of the booksellers there, and it would be odd for them, for their customers to not know who should touch that in. And I felt like the same that you did none of my customers would know what a headshot is right <laughs> um, so it's a different situation but every other city um like the bookstores have done something really unique like there's a bookstore letters in Durham where like his stuff is almost all used books but they're not like, they're still curated it's not just like people can't just come and read their old books right um so he still chooses the titles and they really just look like they were thumbed through. Uh, and then he carries like 90% used and 10% um, new. Okay. So he still has everything. Uh, but none of the customers seem to even know it was a used bookstore. Uh, <laughs> and that's how he matches Amazon's price because of that. Yeah. Um, which is, I thought like it was really cool and he was a really like, interesting guy to talk to. Um, I went to a store in Doylestown, Pennsylvania. Okay. Um, and her husband, the woman who bought it, her husband is um, like a car salesman. Okay. And so they ended up taking like his exact like spreadsheets and kind of doing like like reorganizing them for books oh, wow. to figure out what sections to order from and like how things are performing. And um, yeah, it's just not, it's very unique. Like, a lot of the things it wouldn't work for my shop necessarily right but it was really fun to see like how people have 
I feel like a lot of these shops have gotten past just the survival mode and actually are thriving now. Yeah, um, absolutely. I think that's so, true. So that was really fun. I mean, it is just, a lot of it is just seeing, like, how, it's really fun to see how people, um, I guess, like, stock their store and yeah. curate their stock. Because I think, especially a lot of the customers stores, they have to be at to some extent. Yeah. And it's fun. It made it kind of hard to talk. Like, my sister came with me to the North Carolina stores, and because she was there, and she was like, it's so hard to hold a conversation in these stores because you keep getting distracted by book covers. Um, <laughs> I agree. And it's fine because some of these books, like, I've seen on lists or uh, seen, like, galleries or whatever a hundred times, but then seeing the way that they're displaying it or what they have to say about it makes it look, like, completely new. So. Yeah, absolutely. I think even... I mean, I loved that before I became a bookstore owner, but now when we travel, I love visiting the local bookstores. And even though not every idea I see am I going to be able to bring back to my bookstore, just because every, you know, every geographic location is different and has a different culture and a different vibe. Um, but I yeah. love seeing how other shops are run and I love bringing back ideas for the future. And then like some ideas aren't going to work. Like, um, I read about a speed dating thing that a New York city bookstore <laughs> did on Valentine's day. And so yeah. we tried one of that. We tried one of those at the bookstore at the bookshelf this past February. And, um, even though we did have a lot of great attendance at our other Valentine's day events um that did not go well no one came and I yeah. you know and I wasn't even sad about it because the more I thought about it the more I realized well of course they're not going to come like the median age in Thomasville is quite a bit older and probably people don't even know what speed dating is and yeah. and and the concept you know I just realized okay well that's one that's not going to work here but it probably does great in New York City um so it's just right. figuring out what works best for your store yeah well, and that's one thing that's really, I think, great for all independents. I think booksellers, in, bookstores in particular, in that we're a very difficult industry, um, partly because the price of our books is printed right on that on them, so <laughs> we can't pretend like uh, they're anything different, right. and because everyone knows where to get them more cheaply. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but really across the board, I think... Uh, Local businesses, in order to succeed, have to be doing things really, really well mm -hmm. um, and to find something really unique that really suits their community. And it's just really fun to see to see that, um, to see what those things are. So, um, I don't know. It was, it was a really fun trip for me. I wish I would have had more time to explore every single bookstore. Yeah. Um, I did come home with a lot of books, which <laughs> I have a Kobo, which is the independent e-reader. Yeah. Um, and I told myself, I'm only going to read on this. Like, this is fine. Um, but then I was carrying my books with me. So I'm like, well, I already have a hundred books. Let's do more. Um, <laughs> So I bought more than I wanted to. <laughs> well, I'm glad a, to have them now. I was about to say, that's, that's a common problem. But as I tell my customers, there are far worse spices to have, right? Like, that's... Exactly, yeah. You're fine is your worst spice. You're fine. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it is so... I have that stack of... I have a stack of books, too, but... Um, well, I don't know that I really do. They're all new. They're all from my travels. But, like, <laughs> I... I feel like it's nice to have some unread books just in case, you know, like there's a storm or yes. apocalypse or something. Emergen you know? <laughs> emergency planning. Right, exactly. 
comforting to me. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, so I've got two more questions for you, but they're fun and easy, I think. Um, so. Okay. So in your book, I felt like, and I could have been imagining it or like projecting, but I think um, you referenced, it seemed like you referenced um, Parks and Recreation quite a bit. And yeah. <laughs> um, Parks and Rec is one of my favorite shows and Leslie Nope is my hero. And um, as I have watched the show, so before we watched the show, my husband and I lived in a bigger city and then we moved here to buy the bookstore. And now I have been in small town, um, community meetings and town hall meetings. And I more than ever before feel like I understand where Leslie Nope is coming from as she kind of tries <laughs> to make her city a better place. And I wondered if you as an indie bookstore owner, or just as somebody who was trying to shop locally, which really has a lot to do with supporting your community. Did you feel inspired or encouraged by Leslie at all? Or did you feel a kinship with her as you were writing your book? <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I felt a kinship with her really as soon as I saw the show before <laughs> I was working on the book, just because I mean, I, I have a lot in common with her, especially this idea. Like, I feel like I'm a very patriotic person, mm -hmm. um, and so is she, but my patriotism doesn't look like a lot of people's. Right. Um, like, I'm a lot more interested. You know, I think we're a country that's founded, like, on ideals and words and pamphlets, and I find that, like, really fascinating. Right. Um, I mean, I almost called the book, like, the localist papers after the federalist papers. Yeah. But, I don't think most people would have gotten it. <laughs> um, so, like, uh, so, I definitely, like, uh, I feel, and, and I also feel like, you know, going 110% with projects, like, this morning I was on TV in Birmingham and to promote it, I, like, stayed up last night and made a cardboard television book on Instagram and my sister's just <laughs> in front of me, like, I thought I was over to you at 11 o'clock and you hadn't done this, like, why did you do this? Um, but I feel like that's something Leslie Nope would do. Yes, um, that is absolutely something Leslie would do. Leslie approved. Yeah. And just her feeling of, like, really caring about her staff and wanting them to be, like, really connected. Yeah. Um, I definitely feel like that. Like, I mean, I felt like that with the first bookstore that I managed and at Starbucks when I worked there and especially at my store. Mm -hmm. Um... Like, I do, my staff is incredibly important to me, and that's my favorite part of uh, working at a bookstore or a coffee shop or somewhere like that is the camaraderie you have. Yeah. Um, and I was actually talking about this with, um, like, the Eric who owns Criminal Records in Atlanta, and he is one of the co-founders of Record Store Day. Okay. Um, and he used to own this coffee shop in Atlanta and was actually able to sell it to his staff. And he was, he was saying, like, that was his proudest moment. Not doing all this, like, he's a huge figure in the bi-local movement globally, not even just nationally. Um, but saying, like, being able to, like, actually pay yourself enough and treat them enough that they're able to do something like that. Mm -hmm. um, it's something that I think as well, and I think a lot of local business owners do, um, like, I'm not able to pay my staff what I like, like to pay them. Right. Um, but I try to, like, a lot of them want to start businesses, and so we let them look at, like, our ledgers and, like, talk to them about cost of goods and right. um, how to get investors and write a business plan. And 
Um, I don't think that's unique to me. Yeah. Um, a, a lot of local business owners do, partially just because we need the help, so we're more likely to invite people behind the scenes. Yes. Um, <laughs> you want to help where you can get it. And also just because you work side by side with people, and when you do that, it's hard to not nurture their talent, I guess. Yeah. Um, so, and that's another reason that independent businesses are really, like, I, I don't know how I turn this back into independent business talk, but I guess I did. Um, <laughs> like, uh, like, really helpful because um, you're really nurturing a workforce um, to be creative and innovative and uh, entrepreneurial. And I think that's really good for our economy as well as for the people. So. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what... You know, that, yeah, absolutely. In fact, um, frequently, so we have a very small staff. There's just three of us. Um, and mm-hmm. one thing that I, we're all pretty young, um, but one thing that I tell myself often is I am hope, I mean, if I'm doing my job right, I'm preparing my staff to be able one day to go do something even greater. I mean, I think working at the bookstore is wonderful and I hope they stay with me for a long time. But if they don't, I hope they'll have learned the skills and the things that they need to go do whatever it is they want to do long term. Um, so, so I like to think of it as a training ground, I guess, for maybe, um, even bigger goals and dreams that they might have. Um, and I hope that's true. and And I think it is. I mean, from my experience, like that's really how I started I started my career as a journalist and kind of quit without a job and yeah. uh, just um, kind of just found this random bookstore and thought I'd only worked there for a month or so. Yeah. Um, and one of our owners really um, started giving me more and more responsibility and eventually the manager position and um, that's when I really learned about business. So that's exactly what happened to me. And um, like some of the people who work for me at that bookstore, I'm still getting, it's kind of a fun update system, because I still get calls because they have me as a reference. Um, <laughs> like, and it's really exciting to see that, oh, but I got a better job, and I like climbing up the ladder. And Yeah. Like, um, so I, I think that really plays out and is really true. Um, so that's, yeah, that's another thing I have in common with Leslie Nose. <laughs> like, I love, I love the dynamic of working with her staff. Um, and I probably want to see a family a lot more than they do, but <laughs> 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 um, okay. I think I'm a little more reasonable than Leslie is, so I'm not forcing that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I believe you. <laughs> um, okay, so my last question, and it's one I try to ask a lot of the guests who come on the show. Um, what are you reading right now? Um, I'm reading, uh, cur- currently I'm reading Voice No Bird. Um, okay which I've been wanting to read for a while because it got a lot of buzz and it's a beautiful cover. Yeah. Um, and I'm really loving it. Uh, I really like fairy tales anyway, and I think it's a really good, um, it's not, I wouldn't even call it a retelling. It just seems like it, it's inspired by a fairy tale almost. Okay. Um, but anyway, I'm really enjoying that. And I just finished a book um, called Kim Star that was a book club book we have a book club of adults who read children's books which is like the best book club because if you forget until the day before you can still read the book Uh, (laughs) that is the best book club (laughs) (laughs) yeah Uh, and um, it's like I don't think it's for everybody I really enjoyed it Um, it's about a girl 
on a space station, so it's like a YA kind of book. And did you say um, it was 10 star? Is that what you said? Yeah, like T-I-N. Okay. Star. Uh, it's very much like the series Firefly, the Joss Whedon show. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's right. It reminded me a lot of that. Uh, and I think she did a really nice job with it. But I think you might have to be the kind of person that thinks like, oh, you know, space western sounds like an interesting concept. Uh, <laughs> if you don't think it sounds good, you're probably not going to like it. Yeah. Um, but I like that. And then um, I also finally read, oh gosh, I'm not going to remember. It's called uh, Tra- uh, Train Dreams, I think. Um, but it's a really small novella. Okay. Um, which is redundant, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> but, um, I read that on the train, and I really loved that. Uh, I picked it up a couple times in the store and read the first page and just wasn't really into it, uh, but I really loved it once I finally got into it. Into it. Yeah. Well, good deal. Well, Kaylee, thank you so much for sharing your reading recommendations and filling us in on shopping locally. Um, uh, Those who are local in our area, you can come here, carry Roll Wagon at the bookshelf Thursday, uh, April 23rd, so this coming Thursday from 5 to 7 p.m. She'll be at the shop um, talking about her book, signing copies, and letting us know ways we can shop local in our neck of the woods. Um, Carrie, where can people find you on social media? Um, it's at Serial Wagon, which is kind of a tough one because my last name is weird. So it's C and then R-O-L-L-W-A-G-E-N. Okay. Uh, that's me across the board. Or you can just go to my website, which is localistbook.com, and there are links on there. Wonderful. Well, we'll put links to our show notes and in our show notes. And as usual, you can find us at www.bookshelfthomasville.com. And you can also find us on Instagram and Twitter at Bookshelf Tville. Um, we are also on Facebook uh, at Bookshelf Thomasville. Uh, thanks so much for joining us, Carrie. We'll see you Thursday. Thank you so much. I'm really looking forward to it.